Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. How many of you have ever seen a television show called America's Funniest Home Videos? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of you. That has been replaced with something called Fail Army, okay, on YouTube uh, for all you kids out there, right? Uh, it's basically people humiliating themselves through falling, tripping, accidental belly flops, whatever. It's hilarious fun. And actually, just getting ready for the sermon, I watched hours of it. <laughs> sermon research, right? Actually, not hours, but quite a bit more. I click. I just kept clicking, clicking, right? Just clicking on it, you know. The worst ones are those guys who think they can skateboard down railings. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not good. Some of them sterile forever. It's. But you know, watching watching those videos, you know, Stacey and I actually moonlighted a little bit back home in the states uh, as wedding videographers. And uh, we, ha we have, you know, I probably could have made a little extra cash on the side publishing some of the things I saw at weddings, but out of respect for our clients, we never did. But I, I distinctly remember one time we are at um, Texas Lutheran University, their, their reception hall, and there's a wedding there. The guy, the groom played football for T uh, TLU, and uh, we're, we're videotaping this wedding, and the bride throws the bouquet. You've seen this probably on America's Funniest Home Videos and Fail Army many times. But this woman, th as the bouquet is like slow motioning through the air, she clears a path of children uh, in front of her and just literally plows through them like a linebacker for the Chicago Bears and like is like, right, and just lays out on the floor for this bouquet. I mean, People do crazy things. Crazy things happen. Accidents happen. And for some reason, we find them very entertaining. Sick. We are sick people. And we love watching it, but we don't like it when it happens to us, right? Like, it's okay watching other people. We're not in that video. Now, America's Funniest Home Videos kind of tempered that a little bit because the most embarrassing, most humiliating video won money. You know, I guess there's a trade-off there. I'm willing to be this humiliated for this amount of money, right? And so that's kind of how it worked out. But we all try to avoid humiliation and embarrassment as much as absolutely possible. But when we rightly understand humiliation under God's care, we understand that it's a gift of grace. Actually, I was, as I was praying, I, I was here very early this morning preparing the baptismal, and I had plenty of time to pray. And as I was praying, I was thanking God for humiliation. Humiliation that when everything's stripped away, the only thing left is the cross. Many of us have come to Jesus through humiliation. Maybe we wouldn't label it that way, but we've, we've come to the end of ourselves. And that's where we come to Jesus. And for many, many of us, that's the place Jesus exactly had to have us. Because we were just too arrogant, we were too proud, but it's through humiliation that many millions and millions of people have come to Jesus. Now, let's talk about Samson. We think of Samson and maybe we think of some Herculean figure, muscles bounding, hair flowing, Fabio on the cover of your 
most recent love novel, right? Just, right? But Samson was an idiot, an idiot. Okay, let's read together, and I'll prove my point. 14, verse 1 through 3. Samson went down to Timnah. At Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines, and he came up, and he told his father and mother. Now, verse 2 says, he told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now, go and get her for me as my wife. The spirit of slap would have come over me if that was his father. Number, verse 3, but his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among our people that you must take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She is right in my eyes. Down to 8. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see a carcass of a lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of a lion. Now, right now, we're not really, we're kind of seeing just a hint of how big an idiot Samson is. See, Samson was a Nazarite, which means that from birth he was totally given over to the Lord. Right? He was not to shave his head. He was not, to, he was not to cut his hair. He was not to drink wine. There were many other restrictions upon Samson, but he, he regarded these flippantly. God's blessing was all over him, but he just didn't care. He wanted what he wanted. He served primarily, not God, but his own impulses. See, he knew it was a sin to marry outside of his people, right? He knew that. He didn't care. He wanted her. How many men, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, identify with Samson in this story? And maybe you're sitting next to that woman you saw. Now, we don't have forbidden people we're not supposed to marry, right? But you saw, like your eyes were the first thing that attracted you to your spouse. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands because if you don't raise your hand, I don't want to be responsible for the consequences, basically. (laughs) But you know, man, you just think about saying, you know, he just saw something he wanted, and he went for it. And then he just totally disrespected, broke, broke the commandment by telling his, fa- his parents exactly what he wanted. Just do it. Just do it. Make it happen, Dad. He married who he wanted. He ate what he wanted. Why is that a big deal? Why, number one, he killed the lion that had the bees in it, which is disgusting to me. Like, I don't want to eat anything out of a carcass of a dead animal. I, I don't. Samson's a stud, though, so he said, okay, that looks good. That looks sweet. I'm going to take it. But what? He was forbidden to touch any dead thing. So he, again, breaks the law of the Lord, takes the honey, scoops it out, and he's just munching it. And then he gives some to his parents, who unwittingly participate in his sin because he doesn't explain it to him where he got the honey. So he's bringing, he's bringing that judgment upon his family. The truth is, as we, we were actually had a wonderful discussion in men's breakfast yesterday. Without sharing too much, it, it came down, a lot of it came down to sin. And about how we are not victims of sin, the devil never makes us do it, but that we are willing participants. None of us ever sin without our say-so. Not too many amens there. Because we don't like to own it, but the truth is, there is always a way of escape. And, and for those of us who know the Lord, we know that he is almighty, he is all-powerful, that he has made a way t- for us to escape sin and death. But when we do sin, we are acting out of a selfish attitude. 
A mindset that assumes that our immediate gratification will lead us to more happiness than if we were to obey God. That's the classic deception of our enemy. That whatever we're going to enjoy in sin is actually better than what God can give us. Do you see how stupid that sounds? How ridiculous that is? That, that anything in this world can match the joy that God gives us. The almighty, <laughs> almighty God who created heaven and earth has made you the apple of his eye. And somehow, we think that the world has something more to offer than he does. And that's exactly what Samson thought. He's like, I know, God, what you have told me to do, but I know what I want. And so he willfully sinned. And his impulsiveness led to him living very carelessly, carelessly and just giving away um, his vows, his, his vow to God to live as a Nazarite. So now we're going to turn to Judges 16, verse 4. And here's where we really see the foolishness of Samson. Now, let's just talk for a minute about his first wife. This first wife he took actually, I believe, was burned alive um, because of some betrayal. And so she's, she's gone. Now, now Samson's on the prowl again in verse 4. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will, give, we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So the lords of the Philistines, you know, think about the noble houses, right? So we're talking about many, many people have come to Delilah in one, one accord and said, if you will betray Samson, we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Del Delilah agrees, and she decides that she's going to betray Samson, and she does so three times. And each time, Samson, in his arrogance and in his pride, goes along with it. She comes to Samson and she says, tell me, it vexes me. What is the source of your great strength? And Samson said, or what, what can defeat your great strength, whatever? Samson says, well, if I am tied with seven fresh bowstrings, then my strength will be zapped somehow magically. And so what does she do? She betrays him. She tells them. She gets seven fresh bowstrings. She she." she hamstrings him, ties him up, and then she gives the, the go word, right? Which is, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. They jump out from somewhere, right? Bushes and behind curtains, and they jump on him, and he breaks the bowstrings bow like they're nothing and wipes them clean, right? Now, see, this is the thing. Like, Samson, what? You know, you, you get it, right? She told them, and I think he did get it. But he's like, I'm undefeatable. Who cares what she tells people? Who cares if that's what they know? So then she, do, she does it again. She's like, please, please tell me. I'm your wife. You know, you owe it to me. And he says, well, if they bind me with new ropes, ropes that have never, you know, been used before, then my strength will be taken from me. Delilah goes to the Philistines and she tells them, she gets ropes. She ties Samson up. I don't know how this happens. I mean, he's a sound sleeper. They tie him up. 
And then she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. They jump out. He snaps the ropes and smites them. Then again, now this is the funniest one to me. Samson says, she bugs him again, and he says, well, if, my hair, if I get my hair did, then I will be undefeatable. I mean, I will be defeated. Basically, if they pin my hair up, I don't know. I'm thinking Pentecostal bun. That's what I'm thinking. Like one of those you know, people that don't wear makeup and long dresses, and then they have this huge bun on top. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, this is what Samson looked like. He had a pin in it, and it was all bound up. And uh, then I'll, my strength will be gone. So that's what happens. The, the, she tells the Philistines. The Philistines jump out at the keyword. They jump out. Samson pulls the pin out. Didn't have to, but he did. He pulled the pin out. I could just see him. Pow! And the Philistines are gone. Defeated again. And then we come to the, to the part where he's finally betrayed. And we'll get to that in a second. But here, Samson is just behaving irresponsibly. His pride is clearly out of control. And pride puts us in problematic scenarios. It actually puts us in scenarios that we're not equipped to deal with because we start to think we're God. And we start getting into scenarios that we, we can't get out of because we've put ourselves in a, in a box that we really need. Uh, you know, we've kind of believed the hype about ourselves. And, and so is Samson. And now he's in a real pickle because it's only gotten worse and worse and worse each time. But like Samson, we can roll full steam ahead in our own strength, in our own power, and only to crash and burn. I've said many times to colleagues of mine that anyone can start a church. Anyone can start a church. Anyone can grow a church to a certain size. Anyone can have a, even a big, big church, have a great crowd without one drop of the Holy Spirit, without anything in your own strength, and your own power. But you will burn out. You will lose it. And because if you are the engine that's making the church run and not the Holy Spirit as it ought to be, you're not God. You're going to get yourself into an impossible situation. But that translates to every area of life. We start putting, fathers, when you start putting yourself as the provider, as the absolute provider, it's all on you. You've made yourself God. God is the provider for your family. Your family serves God right? You, it's not all on you, right? And that's a release. That should be a release for many of us. Yes, God has given you gifts and abilities to, that you can earn an income, but he, has, he is the giver of those gifts and abilities. He is the one. He is the source of those things. And I see so many men work, 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 because they think it's going to make them happy. They think it's going to make their families happy. And in the end, it's empty, it's an empty falsehood. Samson's great idols in his life were comfort and pleasure. And he compromised over and over again for what was comfortable and what satisfied his whims. See, church, if we turn personal comfort into what heaven looks like, then discomfort becomes our hell. And we will do everything we possibly can to avoid it. If comfort is heaven and discomfort is hell, then we have come to worship our comfort. And anything that compromises that will avoid, even if it means godly pursuits. Like what Bodo said, right? 
There's a whole theology of suffering. We're not going to get into it today. But when you read of the great men and women of the Bible or throughout history, I have never read a testimony of a great missionary who was rich, who stayed rich, who lived in a lavish palace while he, while he reached out to the, in, the people of India and won millions of souls. No, that's not how it works. It's, it's missionaries like David Grant who give up everything and go and serve the poorest of the poor. Mother Teresa who goes out there and gives her own shoes to orphans that they may have shoes It's the theology of suffering. It's what God has called us to do. We are to share in the suffering of the cross. Samson didn't get this. He didn't get that. He was called to serve and be a servant as judge of Israel. Ultimately, this leads to Samson's humiliation. Turn with me. Now look, let's look to verse 21 of chapter 16 in Judges. The Philistines seized him and they gouged out his eyes. The Philistines did not adhere to the Geneva Convention. And they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he, he ground at the mill in prison. So they gouge out his eyes. And I mean, just this morning I was thinking, that's actually a pretty fitting punishment for Samson when you think about it. It's his eyes are the window to the soul, right? It's his eyes that betrayed him. He saw the honey, he took it. He saw the woman, he grabbed her, right? His eyes he was a slave to them. But here they are, now they're ripped out, and he's in prison, and he's at the mill. Now, I think of an old mill. and some You can still go to places in Europe and see these mills used, places like Romania and Bulgaria. You can still see these things being used where there's like a donkey or a horse walking around, and he's, there's a stick, and there's a big stone, and it's grinding it up. That's what he's doing. He's pushing. That's his life now. He's totally humiliated in prison. Now go to verse 26. Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, leading him around, let me feel the, feel the pillars on which the house rests that I might lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. All the lords who had betrayed him, all the lords who had talked to Delilah were in there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked while Samson entertained. As they mocked him, as they, you can just see Samson here as a, picture of Jesus on the, on, on, uh, on the Via Della Rosa, on, on this road of suffering. You can kind of see it. Now he's being mocked. He's being made fun of, maybe even spit upon. We don't know. We can only guess what humiliation he was facing at this time. Verse 28, and Samson called to the Lord and said, oh God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. Oh God, that I might be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested. And he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one side and his left on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed uh, with all his strength. Like, And the house fell upon the lords and upon the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed in his death were more than those he had killed in his life. Let me tell you, Samson had killed a lot of Philistines in his lifetime. They were the enemy of God's people, and he was his appointed judge. Samson said no to his discomfort in his service to God. And though the suffering that he's suffering at this moment before his death is likened to Jesus, he's not like Jesus because Jesus didn't shun suffering. He embraced the pain and humiliation of the cross to save the world from their sins. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we read this, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right, at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, looking ahead, he knew what would lie right in front of him was suffering, but he was looking beyond that. Church, we can be so short-sighted. We are, if, we, if we compare ourselves to Jesus and Samson, we know that we are way more like Samson. Short-sighted, immediate gratification. But Jesus, he, he didn't look towards the, the, the quick release. You know, Jesus is God. He could have just instantly been out of the situation he was in. No, he submitted himself to it for the joy that was before him. The joy. What is his joy? Your salvation. That's the joy. The redemption of mankind from sin, death, and the grave. That's his joy. That's why he embraced the suffering. Unlike Samson, he embraced his calling and fulfilled it. I, I don't know. I, I, that gets me excited. That makes me happy. That, gives, that brings joy up in my heart. Samson was an idiot. But I know that I'm more like him than I am like Jesus. I am more like him than I am like Christ. God is looking for empty cisterns to fill. Not cisterns full of pride or arrogance or self-sufficiency. God is looking for empty vessels. And when we come to Jesus in our pride and in our arrogance, there's no room for the Holy Spirit. There's no room for God. We have to make room. We have to humble ourselves Repent of our sins. Turn to God as our only hope because whether you believe that or not, it's true. Your acknowledgement of that does not make it any less or more true. It's true. He is our only hope. Samson's humiliation brought clarity. And in this way, it served the purposes of God. Our humiliation, you know, we, we think, oh, that can't come from God. This embarrassing moment, this horrible failure cannot come from God. I want to tell you, sometimes it does. Because his objective is that we would look towards him. That we would acknowledge him as God, deny ourselves as God, and acknowledge him as God. At this moment, Samson understood that if God were with him, he could not fail. Even blind and broken. So he humbled himself and he asked God one last time to give him strength to defeat his enemies. And God answered his prayer, this prayer of repentance, this prayer of humiliation, God answers it. We don't like to talk about this, but you know, people talk about prayer all the time. I pray. If the unsaved person prays, does God hear it? Only if it's the prayer of repentance. Only if it's the prayer of repentance. That is the first prayer we each must pray. God, forgive me of my sins. I am lost in them, and I, am, I, I rightly deserve death. But I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, as my substitution for my sin. That's the prayer God hears. So we, 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 you know, I know our kids are learning this story, and they're probably not talking about Samson's eyes being gouged out, and they're probably not talking about lust and things like that. And maybe that's, the story, maybe that's the story you came into today's sermon with. Oh, we're talking about Samson Day. I know that story. 
He killed all the Philistines. It's really a, a mirror, the story of Samson. If we look into and we really look at it, we see ourselves like so much of the Bible. So right now, I'm going to conclude in just a second, but I want to dismiss our baptism candidates now to get ready for baptism as I close. And that's really what the pool's for, by the way, obviously. We're going to be baptizing today. Both Samson and Jesus gave their lives for the mission that God had called them to. Samson gave it in a last-ditch effort to kill the enemies of Israel and his enemies, the Philistines. Jesus gave his life for his mission to deal a death blow to the enemies of sin and death, to our enemies. Samson and Jesus achieved victory through their humiliation. Samson did it as a laughingstock to the Philistines, which gave him access where he could deal this final blow. Jesus suffered the cross for all to see. Doesn't it just break your heart to think about our Lord and Savior on a cross with people laughing at him, spitting on him? If you, if you, could, if you could save others, save yourself. <laughs> you know, they're just laughing at him. Nearly naked, beaten to death, almost to death, hanging on a tree for everyone to mock. He endured all that for you and for me. Samson died with the Philistines in vengeance, and Jesus died as a substitute. Make no mistake about it, it's us who should have been on the cross. But Jesus took our place to redeem us from our sins, and then he rose from the dead, sealing our victory in his resurrection. I'd like to ask you today in closing, where are you at in the process? See, we're all kind of somewhere in this process, either in the process of being humiliated to nothing, or we're in, redemption, we're in the process of redemption. We've been redeemed. And now we're serving Christ. We're, we've already made that last prayer. God, I realize all of my life to this point has been sinful folly. I realize that, it, yes, I use the word folly. I have no idea why, right? But it's been sinful. My, the lust of my eyes have controlled my life. But from this point on, I want to change. And it, look at I am more than willing, as God is, to let you go to the full depths of your humiliation. I am also willing to allow that to happen. God is definitely allowing, willing. If that's what it takes for you to be saved, then so be it. Actually, that's really become one of my prayers for the, those I, that are close to me. The closest to me, the people I love dearest in this world who are not Christians, my prayer has been, God, break them. Break them until they see you until they see you, until they come to the end of themselves. Because I had to take that journey. Many of you had to take that journey. Some of you are still on the road to your ultimate humiliation. Today, you have a decision to make. Have you come to the end? Do you realize this is it? It's, I'm done. I'm ready for Jesus. I'm ready to pray that prayer. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I've tried doing it on my own. It's, trying, it's time to try something new. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.